If you compare what I was before the program and after, it was so different. It was chalk and cheese. Mm. And I said, what happened? That was the question I asked. And in trying to answer that question, then came my programs. Mm. The first program I started off with was, I called it In Your Hand. And it spoke to things that we do. I was saying, your life is in your hands. You, it's up to you what you do. And if you if you do right, you'll get right. But if you do wrong, you'll get wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I, it was like I, I was using hands. And the one hand, the left one was doing things that harm you. And the right one was doing things that build you. And so it's up to you to make the choices between the two, which one is taking you forward. And that's that was my first program. But then as I went on, my focus then shifted to perception. Mm. Uh, the big thing I started uh, noticing and, and believing was, you know, the whole mess called my life, I'm creating. And I need to take ownership for it. Because when I take ownership, I'm empowering myself. I'm giving myself the power to do something mm. about it. As long as I'm pointing at people's circumstances and, and situations, mm. then it means those are the ones that have the power to, to, to dictate what my life turns out. Mm -hmm. So I decided, no, 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 no. Now I'm going to take ownership and, and, and I'm going to say, I'm the one who creates everything. Well, reading books was very helpful. I, I, I particularly like uh, Gary Zukov. Mm -hmm. I like uh, Neil Donald Walsh. Um, I like uh, who's this Indian doctor? Um, I'll remember him as we go on. Uh, so I read those guys, and 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 I intuitively knew that I am creating all my experiences, mm. but I couldn't explain it. And so the journey that I've taken, this 25 years, I've actually been trying to uncover that mm. for myself first and then for others. And like I said to you when I started and said, I'm feeling real good basically all the time. It's mm. that's because I've taken ownership of all focusing on experiences. And experience is basically my thinking and my feelings. Sometimes we confuse them. A lot of people, when you say, what was your experience? And they tell you, oh, this thing happened. No, that's not my experience. That's the event. Yes. My experience is, what did I make of the event? What did I think about it? And what did I feel about it? And so I've learned to focus on those. Uh, my thinking, which is the one that now gives meaning to every event that happens in my life. And my feelings, which are expressing my thinking. And it's amazing that by being, by taking ownership of that, 
and learning more about it and, and using small, simple, basic tools. I use flowcharts, you know, to, to explain things. And, and I found that it's, it's unraveled this thing and opened it up for me to be able to see, oh, this is what I've been doing to myself. You, you know, right now I can tell you, I sometimes have a break where I have absolutely no emotional episode. So I'm having a constant peace underlying and sometimes even joy bubbling underneath. For a period of two, three weeks, sometimes a whole month without any feeling of terrifying fear or, or anger or, or sadness or shame, you find, I don't have those. I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling bubbly, I'm feeling good the whole day and the following day and the following day. <laughs> then I realized that when I was five and I got to know who I am, that's what I was asking. That's what I wished for myself because I was, I was ravaged. Mm -hmm. I particular the feelings of fear from that. Mm -hmm. So I up feeling uncomfortable. And it has taken, you know, 25 years of hard work to get to a point where I really know what peace is. Mm -hmm. But the most exciting part is that now I'm sharing it with other people. Yes. Now I'm showing other people what how to go about doing that. It's hard work. Again, the challenge is that quite a lot of times people come in and they say, I want to be peaceful. And I say, this is the work that we do. And halfway through, they just can't take it. Um, why do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think um, finding serenity and a peace of mind is, is, is something that is so difficult? For <laughs> Dr. Tibor Dr. Mm -hmm. puts it nicely, you know, uh, in, in, in our book, um, AA Comes of Age, there's an article by Dr. Tibor who talks about it, and he's referring it directly to relapses. Mm -hmm. He says, ego has amazing recuperative powers. So what happens is when we hit rock bottom, the main thing that happens is ego is sort of cut down to size. And it's like it's lying flat and allows us to really work on ourselves. But then when we get sober and things seem to be right now, you know, the family accepts you back uh, at work. Now that you're, you're now getting even praises and bonuses and acknowledgement. You know, if you're a young man, the girls are now looking at you, you're smelling fresh, you look good. You know, once those things happen and in the fellowship, it's also nice, we're enjoying ourselves. Ego mm -hmm. says, oh, it's my get up again. And ego gets up in recovery. Okay. And there's a phenomenon we talk about in recovery. Um, we call it the terrible twos. Have you ever heard of? No. <laughs> no. Okay. 
the terrible tools, if we really look at most people, first year, uh, it's like the scare. Everybody, you know, they're terrified, I'll lose my sobriety, and da 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 da, da. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then they go past the, and they get into the second year. They regain their confidence, ego comes back. And now, you, you will find them making judgments on old timers. You know, they, one of the things they like doing, they'll say, I don't know how they speak this. Some of them are not even practicing the principles. Some of them are not even speaking the, the steps. Some of, so they now find fault in everybody. Mm. Now, they particularly like, uh, and I know a lot about this because I'm from there too. <laughs> and then they will go and study the traditions yes and now to tell everybody about how everybody else is not doing the traditions particularly the old timers okay <laughs> now what has happened is they've just they're in the phase called the terrible twos mm. now why the terrible twos think of your children when they get to the age of it is the stage where personality starts developing. Mm. And when personality, we're basically talking about ego because they're now separating themselves from their parents, separating themselves from everything else, and they're gaining their own individuality. Basic statements that are said by two year olds mm -mm. No, I want. No. I don't want. And they keep repeating that. Why? Because it's part of their development. Okay. Now, so they are terrible. That's why we call them the terrible twos. But it's exactly the same thing that's happening to the terrible twos in, in the fellowship. Mm -hmm. They gain that stage where now they're growing and they're now feeling, yeah, yeah. I'm in the fellowship and when I speak, some people listen to me. And there are newcomers that are looking up to me. And so what is happening at that stage? Ego comes back. And now ego is going to control you in recovery, in how you do recover. And you start judging the quality of other people's spirituality and how they're not working their steps or how they're trying to do this and that and not succeed. And that's that's the reason why. It's so difficult because every time, and what's interesting is that you actually have at some point, maybe age five or seven or nine, you have a rock bottom, a spiritual rock bottom in, and then you have to start again because your ego is now giving you problems in recovery. You see? And some people, they start doing that after 25 years. It's only, and then they start doing the steps again. And, and what is it that really is going on? What's going on is that when we, we hit the rock, rock bottom, we realize I can't do it on my own. And the ego's message is always, I have to do it on my own. Nobody must tell me. So that's what happens. And, and so um, the ego has this amazing ability to get into recovery and, and get and, and see and make you look better than everybody else. And you get this self-righteousness mm. where everybody's wrong and you are the only one. 
that is right. And, and that's, that's the difficulty. That's how ego operates. And if you don't understand that, during the time when ego is attacking you, you will allow him mm. to have work in your life, you know, and you might then very easily find yourself Right. Wow. Okay. So I have experienced um, what you're talking about right now, and I have experienced it more than once. You know, and um, I didn't. I did an episode where I speak about um, complacency. I speak about not. Um, doing what is suggested in the program and what that leads to, you know, and I've also done that did another episode where I talk about um, relapses and I talk about um, addiction in general. So from the from your perspective, what would you tell somebody who has relapsed? And is 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 finding it difficult to come back and ask for help. What would you say to somebody like that if you ever bump into them? Well, I've bumped into a lot of them. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most of the time, what, what we, the, the discussion is going to be around the idea of ego. That what makes it difficult to go back and start again is your ego because it tells you, oh, now you had this in the bag and people think this, you know. Mm. And I say to them, forget what people are thinking about you. It's none of your business, you know. Mm. Just focus on what you need now. And, and, and when you've, you've relapsed, the, the most important perspective you should have is that a relapse is not an end of your sobriety. It is another step, you know? For some people, the journey is, mm. it's got its dips, its highs, it's got its lows, yes. it's got its turns. And relapse for some people is part I know the guy, you know, I don't know if he's still in the fellowship, we've not been meeting now, who was in the fellowship for 15 years. Mm. And he never made a year in that 15 years. And when I met him, he was now 15 years old. So it's not the end, you know? Yes. But it's, it's, really, it's really just getting to the basics. People don't, I think that's what we miss most of the time. You were talking about complacency. Mm. There are basic things you have to do. You cannot escape. And if you really do understand that our disease is a spiritual disease, mm. there is a spiritual malady. Once you understand that, it means you need spiritual solutions, which is the step. But also, it's got to do with our emotions and it's got to do with our habits. Mm. So when we have found sobriety, we have to maintain. And there are 
several things that we do in order to maintain our sobriety. Um, in the NA, they talk, they talk of the pillars, the five pillars. Yes. You know? I think it's a good way of reminding oneself of what I'm supposed to do in order to maintain. I need to find my heart out and be in communication with my heart out. I need to have a sponsor. Mm -hmm. And this sponsor must help me to do the steps. Mm -hmm. okay? And then I must read my literature. Mm -hmm. And finally, I must be of service to other people. If I do these things diligently, Hmm? I should be able to stay sober. Hmm? Because in doing my steps properly, if I do my step 10 regularly, it means that anything that crops up for the day, I'm going to look at it. If I can't look at it alone, then I'm going to engage my sponsor and we discuss it. If I find that there's something wrong that I've done, then I'm going to uh, make amends. Mm. You know? Mm. And, and so... That, that if you follow that, just the five pillars, they give you a formula to what, what to do in order to maintain this sobriety that you have. And, and when you say a person is complacent, it is when they're no longer doing the five pillars. Sometimes they're doing the one pillar. Mm. You just go to meet once in a while. You know? Mm. Or, or people have this idea that when you do fellowship and go to meetings and read literature and gain all of this knowledge of what is taught in the rooms, then you should be okay. And I think this point that you're raising now is, is, is quite important because I have been looking at what it is that was missing in my recovery that that contributed to me dropping my guard um and 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 not following what is suggested um should be followed um as as an example um the five pillars you mentioned are step work get a sponsor meetings and literature uh, God um, and service. service and um, when I came back into the rooms I um, my my I, I, I found a new sponsor and 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 those two items you see I even forgot um, service uh, my relationship with my higher power um and also the fact that i had <clears throat> some reservations that i was not aware of and um i went to a meeting that they were discussing reservations and how reservations can be detrimental to one's recovery but it was um i wasn't doing enough service um I was also literally taking my higher power for granted. And in my happiness and my excitation and everything was going so well, I had just turned a year, another celebration of a year sober. And I realized that those five pillars are something that I need to take seriously. 
so where I am right now is 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 quite fascinating because I'm doing service. I started a meeting and I'm trying to find other service positions in 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 other meetings. And I pray every day, I meditate, and I think um, I use prayer to talk to God and I use meditation to listen to my higher power. So from what you said, I think it's something that I need to take home with me and, and, and make sure that all of those things are done. But I just want you to look at other points that you think are important that we need to to stay sober and live on life's terms and appreciate life without alcohol and i think the last time we were talking you were you were telling me that i need to define um my understanding of fun do you would you like to get into that and some relapse prevention um tools that you may have for us and in anything else that you'd like to add